Hi, this is Stephen James with the Sachel Podcast. We have a special edition of the Sachel Podcast today coming from the Sachel Studio. We have our first podcast guest, Dr. Sean Jones. He's going to tell a little bit of his story, and Chip's going to talk to him about an issue that's been around for a long time, but is just now getting some of the attention it needs, professional burnout. So stay tuned, and welcome back to the Sachel Podcast. So I, I tell you what, uh, Dr. Jones officially and Dr. Sean Jones officially, but Sean to us, I'm so glad to get to talk to you. Um, thrilled about it. And I want us to start by talking about the, the book that just recently came out called Finding Heart in Art, A Surgeon's Renaissance Approach to Healing Modern Medical Burnout, which has really become a sort of a, a big passion of your heart. I'm so interested in talking to you and other professionals, other spouses, doctors hearing about this too. I've, I've had the privilege of working with physicians for 30 years. I love you guys. Uh, my heart breaks for you guys in so many ways. I respect what y'all do. So, Sean, you just start out introducing yourself, how you came to this book and what the book's about. We'll just go from there. Well, I appreciate being here, first of all, Chip, and you uh, inviting me here. Um, I think it's been, as you said, a passion of mine, sort of in the model of AA, you know, if you feel like you get something out of treatment, then you want to go tell other yes, people about it. Yeah. And, and so it's really been something that's been on my, my heart for a while. But I found myself in a place, and actually Evelyn found me. I think she sort of yeah. dragged me up out of the ditch. The spouse of Sean. Yes, yeah. and uh, that was my wife. And um, I tell the story in the first chapter of the book how, you know, she thought— because we're both physicians, she initially thought, oh, he's got a brain tumor. Yeah. And so she actually sent me to my internist and said, you demand to get a CT scan. Yeah. And so he said, well, why do you need a CT scan? And I said, well, Evelyn said I need <laughs> one. You know, that's, that's, why, that's what any good husband would say. And yeah. he goes, well, how do I code for that? You yeah. know, and so I said, well, I've got spouse, spouse diagnosis. the worst headache I've ever had in yeah. my life because I knew that was something that would get paid for. And so... The CT, of course, was negative, but mm -hmm. the point of that was it was sort of her recognition that I had become emotionally numb and not present, mm -hmm. which is actually something that I had come to the conclusion of while shaving one morning. It just all of it occurred to me. It's like, I'm not feeling anything. Wow. How long had you been in practice? How long had you been married at that point? How old are you now, in fact? I'm, I'm 58 years old. 58 so years old. And I had been, uh, this was about six or seven years ago. So right. it was after I'd been in practice about uh, 20 years. Right. And my children were all sort of in high school, middle school And age. in practice as, as a, a very successful ENT surgeon, correct? I had been... Yeah. Successful. Yeah. Started my own practice. Yeah. I mean, nobody yeah. really wants to say, you know, uh, yeah. like, I'm it's, a good it's, tennis player. It's hard, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to say. I'm really smart. <laughs> yeah. I'm really yeah. tough. I'm really, I'm really talented. I've done a great job. But, but you really had. You, had. you had carried the profession with dignity. You had cared for, for patients with methodically, with, with integrity, uh, overseeing patient care, attempting to raise a family, attempting to do the right thing, being a, a good religious man. I mean, you were doing all the right things, were you not? I was checking the boxes. Yeah. And um, somehow in, in the midst of all that, the, um, the tragedy or tragic nature of life had sort of gotten me to a point where I shut down and I, I didn't recognize it as it was happening. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, that's when 
serendipitously or if you believe uh, as a result of of God's providence, yeah. then I came in contact with Stephen James at Sage Hill and, yeah. and CPE. And, and so we underwent some initial marriage counseling. Yeah. And so after a couple of uh, visits, in fact, I think it was like one couple and then one with Evelyn and one with me mm-hmm. at the end of... But the, at this point, do you, you're saying to, to yourself, something's off something's for sure. Wrong. And I don't know what it is. And it's not physical. I don't have any idea what yeah. it is, but I've already. And Evelyn sees it. She's yeah. aware that something's. I mean, off. I can run five miles. I can do. I'm still right. working at the hospital. No yeah. seminal events. Right. Nothing's affecting your work. Your work's just as good as it's been. So I thought. I think it's better now as a result uh, to being a whole human being. It is. But, yes, sir. So um, Stephen said, "Hey, I think I know what the problem is. I want you to meet somebody." And so he takes me into your office, actually, and that's yeah. the first time I meet you. And and <laughs> you know. You were like this, uh, you know, sort of vibrant big bird in the room <laughs> because you were just all over the place. And, and I never will forget you leaned down and you said, listen, we can help you become who you were made to be yeah. so you can go out and do what you were made to do. Yeah. And the, the idea of that just somehow touched me in a place that's hard to even explain. Yes. But I knew that that was true and I wanted it. 18 inches below your forehead. Yeah. yeah. The place that, got, that gets forgotten along the way. But so many of you guys that are professionals, especially physicians, it's just so strong in the brain, you know? So, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said, well, I tell you what, you need to come in for a three-day evaluation. Yeah. It's like three days. Yeah. I mean. Three days of losing what? <laughs> I, you know, the idea of like getting three days off for a vacation yeah. was impossible, but to take three days off and what that meant as far as rearranging patients and, and the schedule. I'd actually just been um, about, I think, maybe three or four months before that, elected president of the Kentucky Medical Association. So I, that was going to start in about six months yes. because I was president-elect. And, and what were you doing that for? Why, why did you do that? That's, I know it's a, why is an accusation, but come in, give me your defense for having done that, even though it's great. Right. Well, I, I think... You're already very um, busy, right? I'm very busy. And you're I already think, sort of tired. Tired. And you're not emotionally feeling... Emotionally exhausted. Did you think and, the next, maybe I need to achieve something else or have I, a difference through I'm more sure work? That was, or, I think that was part of it. Yeah. But I think also there was that idea that, you know, I've been given so much... That uh, mm. I want to give back, and yeah. somebody's got to do the difficult work yes. to be able to talk to yeah. people in Frankfurt, and you know, which is the yeah. capital of Kentucky, about how what the decisions they make are going to affect medicine, yes. patient care. And you had enough wisdom and experience in the profession now that you really I felt like I could something provide back. something yeah. in that okay. regard. And my father-in-law had actually been. Uh, uh, how really involved in KMA and was a mentor for me in that right. regard. He was a general surgeon. So it was a legacy responsibility so too. and It was a combination of things, but I think it all kind of came together. So there are doctors everywhere. There, there are. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so three days I was like, you know, Evelyn and I talked about it and she's like, it's your decision, you know, um, but I'm, I'm really support you in whatever you want to do. I want you to, to get better. You know, and so Can I, let me let me ask you a question. Sure. You're, you're describing, and I think a lot of professionals relate to this. In fact, recently I had a a, a a physician friend that I know who knows what I do in terms of people coming into treatment, and he said, "Do you mind if I ask you something just privately?" 
And the answer was coarse. And uh, he said, how do your people, how do they end up going to treatment for three months? How do they pull that off? Because I would love to go on a, a, a sabbatical, and I, not because I need treatment, but because I want to do something with my son. And um, the impossible nature of that, when I said you can do it, you could just simply organize it and do it. But so many of you guys are literally like living on a fast-moving train. And it's going from destination to destination, and there's no getting off unless you're thrown off or jump off, and that's almost certainly in y'all's minds going to cause extreme bodily harm. You know, so it's like it's like an impossible thing—a three-day time period to actually get an examination, a consideration for something's off, that your life is sort of sinking, though your achievements are still increasing, and th the idea of three days for you was just overwhelming. It right? felt impossible. And I think so many, so many doctors, uh, even the young ones who are demanding that time, still are scared to take it. But yeah, so you're on this train. Three days, keep, right. keep going. And, and I think one of the other issues there is, is the awareness that it takes to recognize that there mm -hmm. is a problem. Um, most people are not going to recognize emotional exhaustion because we've been trained to ignore it. Yeah, you don't have that. Right. Mo you know, it's like a Navy SEAL being in cold water. It's yeah. just the way it is. Now, do other people in, in y'all's training, are other people, do they have emotional exhaustion, but you don't? Is that kind of how that works, or do y'all even take the time to? I don't know that I would have seen it in anyone. Most of the uh -huh. time, if I saw one, a, a colleague who was acting out or... Mm -hmm something of that nature, I would have I would have probably seen the same issue that he saw and said, well, that was yeah. appropriate. I would yeah. have probably acted out in that situation as well. Yeah, and, but emotional exhaustion either was something that's made up, doesn't exist, or is uh, maybe a weakness, perhaps? A weakness. A weakness, Yeah, okay. I think it probably would have been a And you're a, trained a not to have it. So not only is it a weakness, but you're trained not to have I, it. So. One of my general surgery uh, mentors, um, one of my chief residents went into him and said, you know, I'm having trouble with my marriage. I need a day or two off so I can try to put things together. Yeah. And he said, listen, I've had three wives. None of them have been a problem. <laughs> I suspect that you'd be easier to replace one of those in a general surgery residency. So I expect uh, you got to get back to work. That, that story is very familiar. If you want a spouse or if you want a friend, get a dog. I mean, that, so, yeah, so it's just, yeah. you know, that. That ignoring mm -hmm. self-care and needs was sort of drilled. Mm -hmm. Everything else comes first yes. in that regard. Okay. I think that's sort of the way right. the training was. And hopefully that's changing a little bit, though obviously it's not changing as quickly or as well as it should yeah. in terms of yeah. the way we're training people. But so go back to that three-day evaluation. So the three-day evaluation, yeah. So I get back and I just said, okay, we're, we're, we're just going to somehow make it happen and talk to people. I found the weekend that worked and... Uh, it happened to be a weekend before I had a week of vacation scheduled, so I thought it'd be easier to just take, you know, the time in the middle yeah. of that. Um, so I went in, and it was really interesting because so no, wait, I want to get straight. so you took your vacation to do your evaluation. Is that correct? I actually extended my vacation. <laughs> I, I, yeah. had, I had a couple of days on the beginning right. of my vacation. Yeah. So you take the evaluation and do your, use your vacation to get better and get back to work, so possibilities. Or, right. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. But it actually gave me a week Makes to sense. sort of think about what happened yeah. and to talk to Evelyn in, you know, a sort mm -hmm. of uh, more casual way about, okay, what are we going to do about yeah. 
what happened. Yeah. And so I think that was also um, very providential in terms of my mm-hmm. being able to come to terms with what that meant. So we were at the three-day evaluation, and uh, I'll never forget meeting you know, someone who's become a really good friend. Almost everyone there was either a physician or a, a dentist or a professional yeah. for sure. And there were 10 at the time, I think, in, in treatment. And when you're sitting around at night talking about everyone's issues and, and things come up, it, it was like, well, well, why are you here? Yeah. Like, well, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm depressed and I'm this and I'm that and I don't feel like... I'm not sure I want to be a doctor anymore. And I was like, I've always loved being a physician. I'm yeah. not sure what's going on. I was like, well, what drug are you using? Well, I'm not, I'm not using a drug. Well, you know, that's all you, that's the whole reason. Like exactly. there's no way that I would do that. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know it at the time, but they sort of like took bets on whether or not I would be back yeah. at the end, because you recommended six weeks of, you know, outpatient psychotherapy exactly. at the end of the three yeah. days. And, so Evelyn and I went on vacation with our children. We actually went to Vero Beach, Disney World, Vero Beach in mm-hmm. Florida. Had a great time. She's a dermatologist, so we never took beach vacations. And our yeah. kids finally just had a riot and said, "Yeah, we're doing Listen, it. Yeah. We're going to do a beach. Yeah. You know, we'll yeah. do the sunscreen. We'll do long. Yeah. You know, you fifty SPF. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we did that and and had a great time. But during that time, I was like, "Look, I have gotten a taste of life that I really." think I don't want to do one day a week or one hour a week for the next five years. If they think I can get better quicker, it's like, I don't want to wait. Right. So Stephen, Stephen supported it. I definitely supported it. Uh, Phil Herndon, who you are very good friends with and care about, you decided to come into the center for professional excellence. And, you know, you, you, Sean, uh, and I know you've done so much work on burnout, which we'll get to. It started out with, you know, b- b- depression, codependency, alexithymia, dysthymia, upbringing, family of origin. And what's so amazing is CPE was built f- to do two things. One is recovery from whatever ails you, whether it's depression or addiction, so you can have recovery of your life. And, um, you got a taste of that. You got a, a scent of that. Like you've never seen the ocean. You've heard about it. You could smell it. So you kept being drawn to it. And I, I love that. And it's, it's so sad that so many people have to get to that, that next place that they're saying, why are you here? Right. When actually you had all the, you'd earned your club membership into oh, absolutely. The treatment. And, uh, can you speak to, um, uh, the guys around you and yourself? You guys are, uh, health care professionals, professionals, generally speaking, you guys are really smart and you're really tough. Like you say, a Navy SEAL with cold water, vacations are for weaklings, <laughs> emotional exhaustion can't happen to me, that somehow you're, you're willpower, you're, you're smart, you have plenty of willpower, you're tough as nails, and that becomes a form of have to. You've got to be like that. Also, you, especially physicians, and I think all professionals, but all people in general, but you're also very concerned. You're you're driven by concern or morality. So you have these three primary characteristics, and along the way, you're sort of trained to become a, a caretaker, people pleaser, approval seeker, and achievement. Even become going into being the president of the KMA, 
Kentucky Medical Association at the point of being on the edge of the precipice of, of darkness, you Absolutely. know, exhaustion. It's amazing how you guys, in all of your achievement and all the things that make you successful, they become tools that also destroy you. You know, because you lose heart. You lose emotional capacity, awareness. You lose the ability to feel your feelings, tell the truth, and give it to the process. So, right. so you and come to treatment, you, you, you do it. And in fact, the studies have shown that as a cohort, those that, because you might say, well, physicians are set up to fail because of who they are yeah. when they enter the process. Yeah. But studies show that people who become medical students are actually more well-adjusted, yep. less likely to become depressed, more, you know, overall intelligence and adaptability yes. than their peers. Vetted. And then by the third year of medical school, they are lower than their peers in every one of those rankings. Somehow within just a couple of years, we have been able organizationally, institutionally, however you want to put it, yeah. to sort of beat that out of them. Yeah, so this, this, this direction, mission, sort of a, a mission of the heart in the beginning, sort of like gets translated up into the head. And by that point, uh, so the heart starts to get lost a little bit. I, I think that it has to be it, and it's all about achievement and, and making sure you get the right score, the right test, the right yeah. residency, the right, and it goes on and on and on and yeah. on. And it's and then you're also seeing that your choices have real-life consequences Absolutely. in terms of death and lawsuits, in terms of trauma, and even, um, I guess even, uh, I've heard so often that once a, a physician moves into practice, they've, by 10 years through residency and then maybe another two years in the practice, they are, they've been uh, wounded by trauma. They've seen so much loss. And at the same time, they're starting to see this experience called boredom. You're seeing the same thing over and over again. At the same time, you're carrying trauma. So you're... It's not shocking anymore. Yeah. And, and the post-traumatic stress disorder-related depression, which, as you know, I was diagnosed with... Mm -hmm. um, is the same sort of thing that returning veterans have yes. from the battlefield. And yeah. in many respects, we see some of the same things in a different context. Yeah. Do you think, is that, is that generally so for physicians? I think based on your research and I, your experience? I think it is. I think yeah. that people who have elements of PTSD are more likely to suffer burnout than people who don't, according to an Israeli study. Yeah. Uh, you know, the difference between burnout and post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, yeah. all of those start to commingle. Yeah. Uh, and it's difficult to figure out where somebody actually entered the pipe, but it all ends up looking the same. Yeah. You know, let's, addiction, codependency. Yeah, well, let's, let's jump to that then. So uh, going back just for a moment, uh, we know that... Um, uh, physicians don't all, they don't all carry post-traumatic stress disorder. Not all physicians are no. depressed. Um, not all physicians have anxiety disorders. But those are very real, real issues and very common to the healthcare professional. Agreed? Absolutely. True. And uh, addiction, uh, huge. At the same time, y'all have uh, very minimal permission to have these problems. Well, I, I think if, you know, you look at the um, the boards that regulate physicians, yeah. their primary purpose is to protect 
the patients, yeah. which arguably is is tantamount for them and, and should be. And so I think it creates this barrier to physicians being able or willing to admit any weakness or impetus or likelihood that they have yeah. any of those chinks in their armor. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Podcast. For the rest of this conversation between Dr. Chip Dodd and Dr. Sean Jones, come back for next week's episode.